The Hard Shoulder with Kieran Cuddy with Nissan on News Talk. But first, I want to return to a story that we uh, covered in great detail here uh, yesterday, and we covered again today because it continues to plague our hospitals up and down this country and it is the overcrowding in emergency departments. Yesterday they broke all records. Numbers slightly down on yesterday but they will climb again and things are expected to get an awful lot worse before they get better. Certainly that has been the warning from Stephen Donnelly and from senior physicians as well. Henry McKean, our own reporter, has been out in Beaumont Hospital in North Dublin today uh, speaking to patients and doctors and plenty of other people in between. Uh, Henry how were people? Kieran, yeah. So I did. I met some nurses on the grounds and, you know, they didn't want to talk. They were just out going for a, a walk, you could say, just to get some, some air. Frustration, you could say. That's the, the word. Frustration from patients and worry from relatives. And it's the elderly suffering the most, the over 75, with a 15% increase presenting in emergency d- departments compared to 2019. Doctors and nurses are doing their best, but they're saying it's a systems failure. And the Minister for Health, Stephen Donnelly, as you said, described it as a perfect storm of flu, RSV, COVID and overcrowding. And he says, as you said, it's going to get worse before it gets better. And he wants consultants to work weekends. Here is a woman who says she's been waiting three days on a metal bench for help. And we start with her husband. It's terrible. Never seen it in my life. You've got a mask My on. missus, there she's over there, right? That's your missus. She was there two, three days waiting to get seen. Hang on you a know? second. 72 hours waiting? Every, yeah. Like waiting on, on a... Wait, waiting to be seen. In, in the casual. Or? In the casual, yeah. Casualty? Yeah, yeah. And I tell you, it's disgraceful. They should be all thrown out of government, every one of them. So you blame the politicians? I blame the politicians. I blame, the, I blame Fianna Fáil, Fianna Gael and the Greens. And I tell you, I'll get rid of the whole lot of them. Once and for all... They don't care about no one or anyone. How was it for you three days in casualty? It was very distressing. Three very days? Very distressing. Why so long? I had to sit on a chair waiting to see a doctor, get bloods done, get um, tests done for a uh, cobra, no cobra, an hour in the other cobra part, back out in the other parts for two days. Yeah. Is it a, a soft chair or a hard chair? Hard chair. An ordinary chair, a steel chair. chair. Steel chair. Yeah. Steel yeah. chair, yeah. Yeah. And yeah. Um, nothing to eat. And I'm a diabetic. Nothing to eat? No, I'm a diabetic. I had to wait till a full on morning to of get course. something. And for you, what is your message? How do we avoid this winter happening again in our health service? It's a chronic it's a chronic health service for people that I'm a diabetic, I have a lot of I have spine, I've um, neck spine disease and I think it's a chronic service for people that's elderly and for all young people. And you know what? I pity them nurses and doctors over there. It's not fair them. They need help over there and this government is not even helping them to do it. They need help. The doctors are under complete stress and even the nurses are under complete stress over there. You can see it. They don't, they're going non-stop. And I have to say they're the best in the world over there. They looked after me when I was very sick and I have to give it to them. So you're, you're happy with the, oh, the yeah. doctors and nurses oh, yeah, doing their yeah, best, yeah, 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 but yeah. not the system? No. Yeah, yeah. The message I'm getting is, yeah. um, if you're old in Ireland, um, you're on your own. They, yeah. they don't, don't, care. don't care. They don't care. Yeah. You don't exist in their eyes. Yeah. You have to sit in a chair all night with no beds. I see elderly people there older than me. I'm 78 years of age. And I've seen elderly people sitting on chairs all through the night. 
And I know I was very, very, I'm very chronic asthmatic. Yeah. Long, long trouble. And it's, it's very stressful on people. You see old people, 90, 100 over there sitting 24 hours, it's, it's disgraceful. Then people should be brought straight in, straight right? In. And there should be a, a different place for the old people and brought in yeah, some should way. Be. Yeah, yeah. And you're sitting on a hard steel chair. Yeah, so that's the experience, Henry, of, of that couple, that woman in particular. And it's interesting, both uh, both of them talking about the care they got mm. from the doctors and the nurses and all the staff in the hospital. How are the staff coping? Yeah, I mean, that's the thing. How are the, the staff coping? And, and you're right. I mean, they do describe it as a systems failure. Patients, as we heard there, they're adamant. They're not going to blame the medical staff. Uh, and also the, the staff, a lot of them actually worked right over Christmas. They just had perhaps a very small amount of time off. Um, here as a, a young doctor. It's quite disheartening to see how patients are um, suffering and I do believe that most people's hands are just tied in terms of us working. I think we're uh, all doing our absolute best but there is just a general systems error uh, and systems failing that um, no individuals or hard work can overcome. I do believe that there are some services that um, are just lacking in the HSC and if they uh, were say better resourced or better funded uh, perhaps then this overcrowding situation uh, would not be as dire as it is. It is uh, frustrating and disheartening and uh, tough to see. How can we solve it? Uh, I think there's uh, a lot of small things that accumulate together that create kind of a perfect storm. Better outpatient resources, uh, better funding for GPs, um, being able to get outpatient scans. I think outpatient resources would make inpatient and hospital uh, demand much less and would mean that people would get their follow-up and then not become acutely unwell and have to present to ED. How are your colleagues coping? We've had probably quite a few more sick calls lately. Uh, people are just feeling quite run down, especially in, say, emergency departments. They are finding it difficult to staff, and then this is a spill-on effect onto other staff members. All right, interesting views, Henry, there for that young doctor. I heard you met a woman as well mm. who couldn't find her husband for nearly two days. Yes, uh, she was looking and looking for her husband, and when she did finally find her husband, it was the, it was the wrong husband. Chronic absolutely chronic both for patients and staff you could neither get in nor out of it just not what you'd want it wouldn't help you to get better it wouldn't help you to get better it wouldn't help you to get better certainly not no so we're talking people on trolleys and corridors people everywhere anywhere and once you're moved on after triage who knows where you're gone and nobody can keep track of you really it's a matter of luck I was sent to four different places at one stage looking for my husband and told him that was him in the bed it wasn't him so you, you were looking for your husband and you found a different man <laughs> you have said actually he, he, make do he can be my, my new husband oh I'm telling you after, after 60 years now I think I'd recognise him but it's not did funny did you find really. him eventually eventually and how yeah. is he Ah, he's not good but he's not young either he's 83 so and is he getting the help he needs well, they're doing the best they can for him. I met him. We did meet somebody who very was very kind today. today so so he's better today. Today, in fairness, the individual we met was was lovely and had a good plan. So I was willing to try and plan for him. Where in the past we were just considered useless. <coughs> it was absolutely dreadful. There was no privacy, no dignity. They lost all his belongings. You name it. This was appalling. Dignity, isn't it, at this Dignity. stage? Dignity. At this stage, yes. That's the least you're entitled to. It doesn't cost anything. It doesn't cost anything extra. 
you know, it's, and you're, you're, you feel because you're elderly that you're just a nuisance and encumbrance to be shifted out. And how can the HSC, how can hospitals, how can the government solve this as uh, Stephen Donnelly says, a perfect storm? Listen to what people say. Listen to their feedback, their communication. Like Everybody understands there can be peaks and pressures with that. But there's no excuse for poor communication, just to have some information. You, you could be hours on the phone and not get an answer. It'll be ring out or it'll be engaged. And then when you do get somebody, they have the cheek to say, ring back in 15 minutes. You haven't a hope in hell. And, like, e- even if you could be told he's doing well, he's not doing well, so-and-so is dealing with him, you know, but when you can't get a- any idea as to what's going on, it's frightening. My husband was in at one stage and was... He was shifted from one hospital to another. It was 38 hours before we could find out where he was. You didn't even know where he was? We didn't even know where, other than we were definite that he had been taken to Beaumont. And that was it. And that's very frightening, on top of being worried. I'm sure it is very frightening to not be able to find him for that long. And then when you find him, they send you in the wrong direction altogether. Harrowing, harrowing. Um, These weren't the only people with struggles that you met. Yeah, because you're right, because behind these figures, I mean, they're real stories, and I know the T-shirt Leo Riker said 700 people are on trolleys, according to the HSC, the INMO say yesterday more than 900 uh, were waiting for a bed. That's dropped to around 800. But yeah, they're real people, real people struggling. And I met this mum uh, and uh, daughter uh, waiting uh, for hours, and also her her son, um, and she, she had hurt her finger. I was here for nine hours that night on the Saturday night and then I was sent to Blanchardstown another five hours there. So for you, your experience of A&E yeah. isn't great? No, no. Like, it's not. It's dreadful. Dreadful, the overcrowding. It really is. Sitting for hours, nine hours, I was there sitting on the chair before I was seen. So it is bad. I'm uh, living in Trim. We had to go to Drada Hustle uh, on an emergency. Uh, so I brought my wife to Drada Hustle, which was overcrowded uh, because uh, they have shut down uh, Monon Hustle for emergencies. And uh, we were there for 11 hours. 11 hours. And what's that experience like being in a, a crowded a and I was worried to get them COVID, to be honest. That was your concern also? It was, uh, as, well, as well as seeing there was a person there who came in in an ambulance, and she was there from Monaghan, uh, uh, she was there uh, 13 hours. I had a stroke in 2004. I sat in that uh, Bowman Hospital here for uh, a good number of hours. My mother would uh, testify for that. It's nearly 20 years on, and it's every bit is bad. I'm 88 and a half. Oh, you look absolutely fantastic, but you don't want to be in A&E for no, the whole day. No, I don't. I don't want to be all day. And even the night I was here for the nine hours, sitting on a hard chair, you know, like, it's no joke. Got out of here at a quarter past three in the morning. My son collected me then outside the hospital. And I was bruised and battered, and my finger... Well, I hope your condition improves. Oh, definitely. I hope so. Thank you very much. Henry, the INMO, we know, have mm. called for this uh, mask mandate to return. What do the public think? People you've been speaking to. Yes, a real mixed response. A lot of people want to bring masks back, but not everybody. I wouldn't be too happy if we brought back the masks. 
personally. You don't have great memories of them, recent memories. In general, yeah, I didn't, I didn't enjoy it. Didn't enjoy it in college. Didn't enjoy it in um, anywhere on buses or anything like that, really. So you don't think we should bring it back? I don't think we should. Yeah, I would definitely wear a mask again. No issue. No issue whatsoever, because I work on hospitality, so. I've worked during most of COVID, but definitely wear a mask again if I have to. Yeah, my husband is um, Lewis and Bussy and he said straight away, he actually was a bit uneasy when they came off because so many people were still coughing and spluttering, so definitely masks all day long. Do you carry on wearing a mask? Would you if, wear one again? If it was mandatory, yeah, I wouldn't really choose to go back because they were quite difficult to wear in certain settings, but like if it was mandatory and they kept people safe, you know, then I think there'd be no problem with it. I come from a background of work in pharmacy, so it's day-to-day use really get kind of get used to it would you wear a mask again in public settings no absolutely not yes i think masks should be back uh, a lot of people have colds and flus and sure if it does good well and good if it doesn't it didn't do any harm to wear it Oh, yeah, it's the views uh, of people speaking to Henry McKean. Uh, we here in News Talk asked people on social channels today if they'd be prepared to wear masks again in public settings as basically a, a split was 53% uh, in favour of bringing them back, which is interesting. I mean, the whole country has COVID and the hospital system is at breaking point and it's still only a 50-50 split. I think we've had enough of masks and masks are not the reason that the hospital system is at breaking point. It's chronic under-resourcing. The Hard Shoulder with Kieran Cuddy with Nissan. Weekdays from 4 on News Talk.